I don't know enough stupid knowledge about the Snyder. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's there's not much. I mean, yeah, he's kind of just like he's just like a dude from New Jersey. <laughs> Although I guess Danzig is too, but he's like, <laughs> yeah, like you said. I mean, he's not really unintentional. Is he really hilarious. from New Jersey? That's Danzig. Yeah, he's from. New no, Jersey. no, no, Danzig. I know. Oh. Yeah, yeah, D. Snyder. Yeah, he's either from New Jersey or Long Island. Oh no, he's from no, he's from Long Island. Okay, Ooh. okay. Yeah, he born in Astoria. All right, here's your background. Born in Astoria, he was raised in Freeport, uh, in New York, and on Long Island, and Baldwin on Long Island. Okay, well that ex- okay. that explains a lot. Yeah, I, Long Island is like New Jersey in New York. So, <laughs> <laughs> I. You know, a lot of New Jersey people would take extreme offense to that, but I think that's because uh, New Jersey people and Long Island people have kind of the same mentality. You yeah, know what I mean, they have chips on their shoulder <laughs> about living close in close proximity to Ooh, New well, York no. City. episode of Movies from Green Hell, the movie podcast where we delve into films with heavy metal soundtracks, terrible stoner movies, and other such nonsense. I'm Dylan, and joining me for this episode is Shane Mathis. And you might know Shane from Parts Unknown, and I hope you suffer if you listen to that. Hey, what's up? Thank you for having me. Shane, you've been like a metal fan most of your life, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, my, my dad was like an OG 70s, like, dirtbag metalhead guys so yeah i mean i grew up with black sabbath and and stuff like you know like led zeppelin and that kind of stuff and so i've always kind of been into it well i mean not kind of i've, I've always been into metal and uh yeah so I'm, I'm basically was able to transition that to being like a professional heavy metal nerd a few years ago but basically like a life lifetime membership card to the dorky metalhead guy fan club <laughs> <laughs> it is really dorky like just uh you know every day there's something new something uh something stupid and like you know a lot I, some of this stuff i don't even consider metal like i'm thinking you just like obviously this episode is you know we're recording this in october uh but it's it's coming out quote unquote now in november there's that nonsense with aaron lewis from stained like with his 32 dead coyotes spelling out trump 2024 or whatever and i'm like that's that is not okay behavior. <laughs> that's yeah, like uh, serial killer behavior. Yeah, I mean that's like something that you do as a teen boy before your before your set like your moral compass is, has been formed. <laughs> but yeah, it's that's not normal behavior for an adult person to do. But Aaron Lewis is just an he's an idiot in general. There's oh. there's like a whole if you Google Aaron Lewis or if you go to YouTube and do a search for like Aaron Lewis storming off stage. There's there's at least a dozen videos of him getting heckled and then getting up and storming off stage. I he's do just, remember when that was a thing. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the metal news cycle. Yeah, there was a point where he was trying to do his country music thing. And yeah, people would just, I don't know, yell a Stain song at him or something. And he would just get mad and storm off. And that was the end of the show. 
So, I mean, it might be worth it to go to like one of his shows and heckle him, and maybe you could make him mad enough to leave. <laughs> Save everybody else from the experience. Yeah. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe collectively we could heckle him just publicly and get him to just become a hermit. Never <laughs> that would be again. that would be great. It just do lives, <laughs> just do live streams on some fucking nut job uh, forum <laughs> or on X. Yeah. He, can, he can go on there. He can be a spokesman. But so yeah, I think we can agree that there's a lot of these. Like as I was saying in the last episode, there's a lot of just these sort of legacy goobers, you know, still hanging around the metal scene because they really got nothing else, um, yeah. which is, you know, is important to the movie that we're discussing today. <laughs> but you're also a big fan of horror movies. Obviously, you've been on I Hope You Suffer talking about a few of them. And uh, but you also enjoy really bad Christian movies, right? Uh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's one of my that's one of my guilty pleasures. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I grew up in a very conservative Christian environment in Ohio. So I was exposed to a lot of this like dumb shit from an early age. So, and it was always, it always seemed corny, even, even when I was in it and a part of it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, modern is there's basically a, a shadow, a shadow film industry for all these insane Christian movies, like God's not dead and left behind and stuff. And they're just, they're so funny because they, they pander to Christians, right? So they're not concerned about plots that make sense or are not like insanely offensive <laughs> to people, to non-Christians. So yeah, it, it's just like the plot, the plots of the movies are always, there's like some evil atheist who's uh, maybe he's a, an evil atheist college professor. There's another movie where there's like an evil atheist scientist it's either like the evil atheist either dies or has a come to a literal come to Jesus moment at the end. So they're, they're all very funny. I mean, some of them are atrocious and unwatchable, but there's some, there's some good stuff out there. Like I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but there's one where the, the government, (laughs) the government invents a time machine and sends basically like the Navy seals back in time to assassinate Jesus. So he can't start Christianity and then, what? Yeah, it's on Tubi. I, I can't remember the name of it, but I mean, if you I, if oh my god, go if ahead, you go Google ahead. like Christian movie uh, Jesus assassination or something, I'm sure you'll bring it up. But it's it it is tremendously hilarious. It turns out that it's actually this whole plot is being funded by Muslims, which doesn't make any sense because Muslim like Islam grew out of Christianity. I don't know. That's the thing. It doesn't make any sense because the people writing this are uh, like evangelical nut nutcases. So they they just like, well, we hate Islam, so we'll make them the bad guys. But it's it's a very funny movie. <laughs> it's incredible that these Christian and I, I I I don't know. I guess like you could probably lump Catholic in there too with them. But I feel like Catholic movies would be more depressing. You know, yeah, like, like not- these Christian movies are just. They're like as insane as essentially any Marvel movie, but the Marvel movies, I think still regardless of how you like might feel about them, they have some like cognizance of like what they are. They know they're a superhero movie and they're based on comic books. Like the concepts are inherently like ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're kind of treated that way. You know, the way they write the script and everything, they have like a little bit of humor about it or whatever. They're trying to bring a little bit of levity to it. But I love that these like Christian movies just have these absolutely bonkers 
plot lines that you would think like for Christians being so much for having sort of like be having like we got to be modern and quiet and, you know, kind of like just straightforward. They're like, nope, time machine involving an assassination yeah. of Jesus. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But I mean, there's money in it because I, these movies are, all, they're all low budget. They don't cost anything to make, but there's a, a built an audience for it. People will pay to see this shit. Maybe not in theaters, but renting it or buying it on physical media or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's silly. It's like the Christian music industry. It's just, it's right, this whole yeah. other thing unto itself. And if you're from an outsider's perspective, a lot of it is just kind of like janky sounding or just corny, but it's because the purpose of all this stuff is the message is of like promoting evangelicalism. Not even, I don't know what, what we, what you would call just like standard Christianity, but like, right-wing evangelical christianity so it's it's very it's very much message forward and and yeah it's really it's it's embarrassing but a lot of that stuff is is also very entertaining in a cringy way it's kind of funny that uh that um you're into that stuff because that you know kind of that religious intolerance does play a small part of this movie uh, the movie that uh, we watched is 1998's Strangeland, which was written by and stars Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister. So I do not even know how I came upon, upon this movie. I mean, I obviously know who Dee Snyder is, but I, I don't know. I was just like poking around somewhere on the internet and I found this movie <laughs> and it said written by Dee Snyder. And I was like, oh, well... There's no way it's going to be good. He's not, <laughs> he doesn't write movies. He, he dresses up in drag and talks about not taking it. Yeah. So I figured this would be perfect. I mean, it sounds like a perfect movie for this. And it was perfectly stupid. It was very dumb. And uh, when I asked you to do it, you had remarked that you had seen it before, which, you know, blew my mind. But I think at this point, like finding these kind of lost gems, like I think that whole kind of wave is sort of done. Like there's, channels dedicated to finding sort of like the lost relics of the 80s and the 90s and whatnot so most movies and there's obviously a big dvd market for restoring a lot of these as far as i can tell this has not received uh any kind of restoration and i could probably understand why <laughs> yeah yeah i i know it came out it it definitely came out on dvd because that's how i saw it initially yeah i worked at the reason i know about it is because i worked in a movie theater in the late 90s and we got like promotional stuff about it and i was just like oh that's weird d snyder is going to be in a horror movie he's like writing it and then and also kind of i mean the other hook that kind of had me interested is it it has like uh it had a new metal soundtrack and at that point i was this was around the time it was in like 97 or 98 when this came out so this was kind of right when new metal was starting to really take off so yeah it's like cold chamber seven dust uh bile uh who else is on there uh on the we'll, uh, we'll go through it i yeah. have I, I meant to listen to it and i did not because i i kind of just looked at what was on it <laughs> i was like oh man i don't want to listen to that yeah Again. yeah it, it also like i don't know i mean we can just kind of talk about it now um like it doesn't really like it doesn't really feature super like prominently in the soundtrack i felt like there's you know like a you know, there's like a D Snyder solo song, I think, in the opening credits. Yeah. But after yeah. that, a lot of it's just sort of like incidental background music. Like they're, 
you know, they're at the club, they're doing a thing, D Snyder's talking and that it's just sort of meant to like add some background. And there's a lot of bands on here of like, you know, varying degrees of like sound and talent, but I did kind of feel like the sound was very, it was very much of its time. Like even the Megadeth stuff sounded like it was kind of gearing towards a little bit more of that commercial friendly new metal sound. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and like, yeah, Soulfly is on there too. Yeah, I mean the soundtrack. I, I have this whole thing with because in the starting in the late '90s, around this time into the mid 2000s, maybe late 2000s, every action and horror movie had a new metal soundtrack. <laughs> so in Strangeland, one of the things that I think is legitimately interesting about Strangeland is that it, as far as I can tell, this is the first the first movie that did like the new metal movie canon. <laughs> so this was like ground zero. I it, It's got that kind of, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about this too, but the way the stuff that it deals with, like the modern primitive mu- movement and like body modification and tattooing was all very tied into that kind of the, the new metal and like alternative and industrial metal scene at the time in the late nineties. So it, it's like, it is very much of its time, but it's also, it was kind of ahead of its time <laughs> in some sense, actually in like multiple senses, because it's what I think the first internet based horror movie too, because it's gotta be one of the earlier ones. I know there's like a Dario Argento one. Yeah. And th- yeah, the card player, I think fear.com was Steven Dorf, but that didn't come out until 2001 or 2002. So I think this is the first like internet horror movie or like truly internet horror movie. Yeah. When did, when did Underworld? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Because I'm thinking like Underworld, Resident Evil. Yeah. That's know, stuff Alone, alone in the Dark. All that yeah. stuff came out at least like minimum a year or two after that or the 2000s. So I would say it more stumbles yeah. <laughs> ahead as opposed to like kind of blissfully walking and leaving quite a legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. I mean, nobody's ever. Yeah. This is one of those movies that nobody's really. Unless you were into new metal in the late '90s, or if you're into like horror or something, independent horror specifically, you probably probably never seen it, or if you've even heard about it. Because, like you said, I don't I don't know how many re-releases it's got. I don't know if it even exists on Blu-ray or anything. So I I don't know. It might be one of those movies that is the company that initially distributed it, Artisan. It's the same company that just the distributed Blair Witch Project, but they went right. out of business. So I don't know, I don't know what if the rights are tied up somewhere. I mean, honestly, I've never really cared enough to check either because, like I said, i I saw it. I saw it when it came out on home video in 1998 or whenever it was. It was just like ah, it was kind of stupid, and then just never thought about it again until <laughs> until like you asked me to be on the <laughs> this episode. Honestly, I think D. Snyder has the trademark because at the end of the uh, the credits, there's a message that says to visit D. Snyder's Strangeland trademark on the web. You can go to www.dsnyderstrangeland.com, which I'm going to go to right now. Yeah, if it's and uh, this site cannot be reached. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. also to visit D. Snyder not trademarked you can go to dsnyder.com let's see if dsnyder.com is still active That's oh got that it. that yeah. for sure oh, yeah. is yeah oh, oh jesus christ like you open up the page and it's just d snyder's like giant toothy grin wearing a <laughs> pair of this is what's really funny he's wearing a pair of reflective sunglasses and you can 
see the photographer, like the whole camera in the one <laughs> lens, the lighting rig, and oh god, it just that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, D. Snyder, he has a novel out called Frats, based on true stories. The logo is two. Uh, what are those paddles? that they use to haze you in frats. Oh yeah. I know they're, I know what you're talking about. They look like I forget what sport they're using. Cricket bats. Cricket, yeah. yeah. It's two of those crockets, like a crossbones kind of thing. Uh, and the description is it's the outsiders meets the wanderers. That, uh, yeah, I think great. I won't. Yeah. I, I'm gonna, I will not. I'm going to pass on that. He probably, he probably or almost certainly does own the trademark for strange land. Because he was working on a sequel to it. This was like as recent as I think 2016 or 2017. 15. So, okay, okay, yeah. So he wanted to do a sequel at one point that he wanted to he wanted to release it in an MC17 version and then an, like an R-rated version. I, I have no idea what the plot is because it never went anywhere. He just I think wrote the script and I think maybe it went into development at some point, but just crapped out because who wants to see who wants to see strange land 2 in 2023 or whatever you mean don't you mean strange land disciple yeah. <laughs> i mean based on the title i am imagining what happens is that like somebody becomes influenced by him yeah and knowing d snyder he probably would have tried to cast like another metal person who was a little bit younger so I'm thinking like you like who could have that who could that have been? I mean that could have been anybody, but I'm thinking like he would have wanted someone who would have been like a good to bring presence. So he probably would have been shooting for like Marilyn Manson or like Jonathan Davis in like his acting debut or some fucking bullshit like that to play him. Yeah. He said that as as recently as 21, 2021, that he wanted to make the sequel. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, who cares? But I mean, although now, it, yeah, I mean, kind of going back to that, it, casting some some younger, somewhat younger rock or metal person, I mean, he could de-age himself with uh, digital technology now, like uh, <laughs> like in that uh, Netflix Martin Scorsese movie, you know? <laughs> he could be in it again. He was in a, he was in a Martin Scorsese movie? No, no, sorry. I th They use that crappy-looking DA. Oh, for the Irishman, right? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. The only time that that has been okay for me was Tron Legacy because it was a video game. And I was like, you know what? I'll let it slide. They're literally yeah. in, like, a video game. It's fine if it doesn't look that accurate even though everyone else in the in the game in the movie looks just like a normal like a normal person you can tell yeah. so it's still stupid but i'm like fine i'll let it pass and then um uh they did it on the the righteous gemstones this past season and i was oh, like yeah. fine that was like whatever i don't really care. care yeah it's like, righteous gemstones <laughs> yeah so that's like a little bit of background about d siders working on this growing up I heard a lot of Twisted Sister on Q1043. It was like one of the more frequently played, I guess, like quote, quote heavy metal tracks on there. They played it on K-Rock. And like, you know, you just know Twisted Sister for yeah. those songs. Grand Theft Auto Vice City, it was in that. Mostly you knew Dee Snyder from I Love the 80s and 90s. And, you know, being like a funny metal guy, you know, yeah. he kind of he fit in with like Scott Ian and those kind of guys who were able to kind of do another thing by being kind of funny 
Yeah, and I think like, it kind of started this the whole like little bit of like, oh, metal people are kind of funny. We should <laughs> get them to be on and talk about uh, goofy, uh, nerdy things. Yeah, they became they pivoted to talking heads in the two thousand late nineties and two thousands, <laughs> and just everybody playing like we're not going to take it for any kind of situation in yeah. which. <laughs> and I'm now like, I don't know. He just kind of stinks now. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's just, just like an old Republican. Yeah, I mean, he's like an old white guy, and he has old white guy politics. That, like, that's really because he's not. I, I think he's actually a Democrat, but yeah, I mean, he's like, I think he's in his late sixties. He might even be in his early seventies. So it's just like, yeah, I mean, he's he's got that he's got that kind of like eighties or nineties liberal mindset. But that that's usually just what I chalk it up to. Every time somebody sticks a can or sticks a microphone in. in some like old rock guy's face and ask him about politics. It's just like, like Alice Cooper recently was like, I don't really understand all this trans stuff. And it's just like, well, same thing with, uh, with Snyder. He's like, I can't believe I'm being blocked from the LGBTQ community for talking shit about this. I'm going to remain an ally. They're like, cool. We're not listening. And yeah. Like, it's just he like, just, anytime someone puts a microphone in front of D Snyder, he's willing to talk about whatever subject it is. Yeah. It's and just it's like, just why dumb. We, yeah. Don't ask him this stuff. Who cares? Like, why does anybody care what D Snyder thinks in 2023? <laughs> exactly. Weirdly, the film's conceptual basis has its roots in the fourth track of Twisted Sister's 1984 release, Stay Hungry. The song, entitled Horror Terria, parentheses, The Beginning, A, Captain Howdy, B, Street Justice. <laughs> Awful name for a song. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was the 80s. They were probably, like, blasted out of their minds on cocaine. Uh <laughs> yeah, and they're like, it's a concept song, and it is. It tells the story of a sadistic child murderer named Captain Howdy who ultimately walks free on a technicality and is then avenged upon by an outraged mob of parents. A line from the song spoken to Howdy to one of his victims carries over into the film after he stitches uh, one of the characters' mouths shut. And he says, there, that's better. But that's not a very scary or weird yeah. line. It's just kind of odd that they were like, that's the one. We need to use that one. The name Captain Howdy was taken from The Exorcist. So it's like, this is not an original concept by any stretch. Like, I, the whole time I was like, Captain Howdy, why does that sound so familiar? And I'm like, oh, duh, it's The Exorcist. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's the, it's the guys that the devil puts on, uh, Pazuzu. When I read that, I was like, oh, duh, no wonder this movie feels exactly like A Nightmare on Elm Street. It has kind of the same sort of like, not story, but sort of the same like framing and shots. And it's kind of in this like, indiscriminate suburban town that you can't really tell where it is it's there's not a lot of exposition shots so they can kind of just jump from like scene to scene without being like it takes place in la or new york or you know cincinnati or whatever but it's nowhere near as good as nightmare on elm street obviously and there's yeah. no like weird like dream sequences the captain howdy character differs significantly from the song to the film the song's villain is presented as a cold-blooded monster who is fully in control of his actions and is a traditional killer with no mention of body modifications conversely the movie portrays a mentally imbalanced man whose motivations are more in par with that of a would-be cult leader he does not initially set out to kill anyone instead intending to quote-unquote help them through forced body modifications and ritualistic pain in the name of transcendental enlightenment, enlightenment albeit for his own sadistic pleasure. <laughs> so it's he's like not a serial killer because he actually doesn't kill anybody except, well, he does kill one person in the movie. Yeah, but he well, doesn't he actually, actually like kill any of his 
victims. Yeah, he accidentally kills one of his victims and then intentionally kills another one. But yeah, that's it. Which is kind of odd, so... Yeah, uh, well, this is this is such a stupid leap for me to make, but... It, I, so this... One thing I was thinking when I revisited this is, like, this fits in with the kind of pre-millennium... Th- this, like, group of of movies from the late 90s that are kind of deal with white guys going through this kind of, like, pre-millennium suburban ennui... It's like Fight Club, where it's just this idea that <laughs> this idea that people have lost touch with kind of their primitive roots, and then you have to you have to go through these physical trials to to reestablish that. Um, I mean, this is me being extremely pretentious, and this is like my the year that I spent as a film major in college coming through. But it's just it's like there's Strange Land that deals kind of with that. There's yeah, sort the Matrix a little bit, uh, American Beauty, Fight Club, but I don't know. That's when I was watching that, I was like, oh, this is totally that whole just like suburban white people having existential crisis movies. It's just instead of in Fight Club where it's like in, you're intentionally subjecting yourself to beatings, it's it's like D. Snyder torturing teenagers to put them in touch with their like primeval, <laughs> you know, like make them harder or whatever because he thinks they're too soft. Yeah, all all really on the grounds of like I'm crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh and this movie was directed by John Peplow or Pie Plow, which is a pretty amazing name. He's just plowing through pies. Yeah. Um and he's only made one other thing according to IMDb, which is 1996's TV movie Jurassic Women, which I'm sure is amazing. Yeah, it probably sounds with a name like Jurassic Women. How could it not be good? And you know what? I bet I bet you there's not one dinosaur in it. Probably not. It's probably one of those cinematic skin flicks or something. Yes, where absolutely. It's just like naked women in the jungle or something. It sounds like something that would trick young Dylan into watching. Because like, ooh, there's probably a dinosaur in this, and it's like, oh, there's no dinosaurs. Just a yeah. bunch of like. Just a bunch of women being almost naked and then fully naked. And then I would be like, man, there was no dinosaurs in this. I didn't like it. Everyone's just like. (laughs) That's not the point. Come on. (laughs) Obviously, the movie stars Dee Snyder as Carlton Hendricks slash Captain Howdy. And like when they finally reveal what he looks like, it's something. He's got these big black boots. He's got a whole bunch of piercings all over himself. There's way too many close-ups on his mouth with pointy teeth. And you don't really see him in full view for most of, like, the first quarter or third of the film. So it just looks like Al Jorgensen in his bathroom, like, yeah. in shadow. Piping. Uh, yeah. So when you finally do see him, like, half of his body's tattooed with tribal ink. He's got bright red hair with the sides buzzed off. Just looking kooky d snyder <laughs> had to sit in the makeup chair for several hours every day to be transformed into captain howdy the tattoos the brandings the file teeth and the body piercings were all fake apart from his septum which was pierced but his septum piercing was a standard 14g this is a, they talk about this for like a whole scene uh, <laughs> was the standard 14g and a special piece of jewelry was made to give it the appearance of being around zero zero g the septum spike discovered by uh, one of the characters, however, is uh, more around a half an inch. Like, all right. So it's just like this comically <laughs> large thing. Yeah. Um, it also features Kevin Gage as the creatively named detective Mike Gage. Uh, you might know him if you've seen The Burbs, Con Air, G.I. Jane, and Blow. 
but I know him best as Wayne Grow, the neo-Nazi who yeah. writes out Robert De Niro and Heat. I feel like that's uh, how everybody, because I, yeah, I was like, this guy Because he's really... one of the most hateable characters yeah. in cinema history. Yeah. Like one of the most weaselly awful names ever, Wayne Grow. Yeah, I, I yeah, because I was re-watching this and I was like, I have definitely seen this guy somewhere. And I looked it up, I was like, oh, okay, he's Wayne Grow. That's why. <laughs> uh, in real life, he was previously married to Kelly Preston, who would go on to marry John Travolta and she passed away a few years ago. And he also served jail time for growing medical marijuana back in the 2000s, which he was using to treat his own chronic pain, plus help his sister with cancer and brother with MS. So you know what? He's okay, we stand, Mr. We stand, Mr. Gage, for doing the right thing, but not his acting in this movie. Yeah. Uh, it also features Elizabeth Pena as his wife, Tony. Uh, she was also in Jacob's Ladder. Batteries not included. La Bamba. Lots of stuff. Sadly passed away at the age of 55 due to cirrhosis of the liver. Brett Harrelson as Detective Steve Christensen. He fucking sucks in this. Linda Cardellini as their daughter, not the, not the guy who sucks, as uh, Detective Gage's daughter, Genevieve. Uh, obviously, Lindsay from Freaks and Geeks. Uh, Robert Englund as one of the townspeople, Jackson Jack Roth. I think we all know who that is. As well as Leslie Wing, Amy Smart. Uh, who I always get confused with Christina Applegate for some reason, <laughs> Yvonne Cole, Tucker Smallwood, uh, who you probably have seen in like fucking anything. He's definitely a that guy. Uh, Robert Lasardo, Jay Cooch Lucchesi as a <laughs> great name as uh, one of the members of Bile, I guess. Uh, I guess it wasn't the full band of Bile. And uh, Am Amal Rowe as Tiana. Like you said, it has a very modern primitive subculture. Uh, and accordingly, a lot of uh, the dialogue of the film of uh, Captain Howdy uh, are paraphrases or direct quotes of Fakir Musafar, who's, who is the father of the modern primitive movement. So that's like all the piercings, hangings, metal stuff, hanging from hooks, that kind of shit. We touched upon the soundtrack, kind of just going to run through it uh, quickly. You got D. Snyder, Seven Dust, Megadeth. Pantera, Anthrax, uh, Snot, Day in the Life, Cold Chamber, Bile, who's actually in the band or in the movie, uh, Marilyn Manson, Soulfly, Head PE, Kid Rock, Fuck Off featuring Eminem, The Clay People. I've never heard of them. No, uh, I System of a Down, Nashville Pussy, Twisted Sister, of course, Backyard Babies, Crisis, and Paul. I don't know those last three. Uh, they were, uh, I guess they were included but they weren't included on the release and whatnot so you know pretty stacked soundtrack but i like i said i felt like a lot of it kind of sounded the same or they were just picking the parts of the songs that sounded kind of indicative like you said of the time a lot of the stuff on the soundtrack is barely even in the movie anyway yeah, yeah. like the pantera song i think plays for about three seconds it it's just like a scene i i can't i think it's at the end when woody harrelson's brother is breaking into that that club and there's like a he does, he does remind me of a low rent woody harrelson it, that's literally his younger brother that that actually, is it really yeah that's actually woody harrelson's younger brother oh i just thought it was uh i, I just thought it was like a, a coincidence i did not realize <laughs> that that was actually his younger brother holy shit well he is a uh, he did not get the acting gene he's terrible. yeah and he, yeah, he tried. He tried to become. He tried to become an actor after Woody Harrelson uh, took off in the '90s. 
And I think that from this, based on the performance, you can see why his acting career didn't take off. I think he he's involved with uh, Woody Harrelson's like marijuana growing industry, like business yes. now. Uh, something like maybe, that. Maybe but, just stick with the CBD and THC. Yeah, sale. <laughs> yeah, but that's actually Woody Harrelson's brother. <laughs> wow! Holy shit! Uh, I'm dumb for not realizing that, but. <laughs> Uh, I, I, that explains why the whole time I was like, God, this guy's a terrible Woody Harrelson. Yeah. <laughs> the Pantera song plays for three seconds. The Megadeth song is in there for like four seconds. But I, I mean, obviously by that Bile song is really prominently featured because it's in the club scene. Understandably, they play the Marilyn Man. The Marilyn Manson song plays for a really long time. But I mean, at that point, he was the biggest person on that soundtrack other than probably Pantera. The soundtrack's, it's like of its time. It's very funny to me that Nashville Pussy's on this. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I wonder if they just maybe were on the record label with, they're on the same record label as, I don't know, like a Cold Chamber or somebody bigger. And the label is like, okay, you can use Cold Chamber, but you have to also use Nashville Pussy. And they're like, all right, whatever. Yeah, it's in, the soundtrack is an interesting time capsule of of kind of, the point where new metal started it wasn't big yet but it was starting to become big right like i'm sure to some level like this was kind of a big deal that like system of a down like got onto this you know that they're pro like they would go on to be like ruling the early 2000s you know what i mean yeah so all right we'll get into the silly plot of this uh film it kicks off uh, with the credits set to a montage of needles, shackles, various criminal-related items, and the uh, that D. Snyder song. And then we get some real early internet as a couple of young girls, Genevieve and Tiana, <laughs> explain how this version of a- AIM works and start chatting with Captain Howdy. Th- this actually did kind of trigger an interesting memory for me because I was definitely like a big AIM user back in the day. <laughs> I remember my folks being like, only talk to people that you know. Because <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, inevitably, I wound up making friends on, you know, the internet. You just start talking with people. It's like, luckily, nothing bad ever happened. Um, but, you know, like you, you, you know, it was, it was an interesting new thing to develop friendships with somebody who lived five states away from you. And you could just chat, like, easily like and not know any of them and you sort of like got to know these people and getting to know people on the internet was a very interesting thing people had some very weird feelings about things (laughs) and they still do and they still do um we did not understand politics or why things were bad (laughs) or why things were offensive so in that regard i i found that like the idea that this was like an internet based kind of horror movie i found that to be interesting on a nostalgic level and kind of what the presentation thought that the internet was capable of especially at the time because it was you know the internet was still in a very like primitive form so to speak like i know it had existed for a while but like the wider usable web by normal people was not what it is today the things that happened in this movie make more sense by today's standards than they do in 1998. I'm sure a lot of people watching this in like the late 2000s are like, that's bullshit. How could anything bad like this ever happen? And it's like, <laughs> you know, it still happens. People still get conned and scammed uh, on the internet all the time. I mean, even if it's just getting tricked by like a stupid TikTok or a reel that's like clearly not, not real. 
when uh, the detective is talking to the Amy Smart character, or maybe, I, I can't remember. There's one point where one of the teen characters is like, oh, in the future, people are going to like, you're going to meet your husband and, and like hook up with guys on the internet and stuff. And somebody else is like, that's crazy. And it's just like, no, that's exactly how it turned out. <laughs> yeah, Match.com, yeah. OkCupid, okay, uh, Tinder. I, you know, I used all those things. I do think it's great that she just assumes this person's extremely bare bones profile is completely legitimate. Uh, so they go to party with Captain Howdy and there's a shot of a glove depressing a key. So that's supposed to be creepy, I guess. And the next morning, Genevieve's parents, Mike and Tony Gage, discover that the girls did not come home and they're actually being held captive by Captain Howdy. They try to escape, only be dragged back in. And we find out that he has sewn one of the girls' mouth shut. And this is, I think, where he goes, there, that's better. Really <laughs> creepy line. So uh, Detective Gage goes to work. He has a really hard time with the coffee machine and then berates his subordinate, Steve Christian, a.k.a. not Woody Harrelson, <laughs> for uh, not having a full list of sex offenders to review. I'm going to be honest, both of these guys could probably pass for sex offenders. Yeah. <laughs> this scene is extremely awkward and bad. Like, just, it's the worst dialogue delivery. It's so terrible. Uh, yeah, there's continues- so much... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, there's just, there's so much clunky dialogue in this movie. <laughs> yeah. D. Snyder, again, like just not a good, not a good screenwriter. Uh, and it continues on being weird and awkward as Gage returns home. He's obsessing over the case because he's a cop and he's, you know, Genevieve's father. Uh, his mother and niece, Angela, come over to help make dinner. Uh, they awkwardly like cut vegetables. It just it looked like they were doing it in such an uncomfortable manner. Like it was just a very, very like oddly framed scene. Uh, Angela explains how having an internet identity works to Gage. And this is all very funny hearing how D Snyder is explaining how the internet works in 1998. Uh, we get some more shots of Captain Howdy seemingly almost naked and pontificating on about serial killer bullshit before piercing himself with a needle. Uh, the cops get a tip about some tire tracks going into the river and they haul out a car after asking the tow truck driver to turn off uh, what I thought was POD, but it was probably head uh, PD. Oh no, that was Kid Rock. That, it was that Kid song, Rock. Yeah, that oh. was a kid. That was off his. That was off like that. I that song, that album that he blew up with. I think it's like I'm the Bull God or something. But yeah, that was that was Kid Rock. Oh well, I'm glad they turned it <laughs> off. It was awful. <laughs> it's just funny that this the guy was blasting rock music in a crime scene too. <laughs> like, yeah, why, why was that even? Why was that even in there? There's nobody in it, but uh, a mean people suck sign uh, yeah. suggests that it's the daughters, and also Tiana is dead in the trunk. Uh, they find a small horn-like metal piece that the tow truck driver says is a septum spike. And he says he's also into body art and body modification and directs the cops to Zebulba, not Sebulba from Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, <laughs> Zebulba, like the band, or in this case, it's a club. Uh, and I love a late 90s, early 2000s club scene. They're all the same. They just use different music. And yeah. in this case, we actually have the band Bile playing and very badly matching up with what is being played. Like there's a part where there's literal vocals and the vocalist just pulls the mic directly away from his mouth and you just hear it like keep on playing in the background yeah they did a really bad job shooting coverage (laughs) it was awful i could not like the band was clearly like not even performing yeah yeah they're just like writhing around on stage um 
there's also some really boring BDSM going on upstairs. And then down in the basement, Captain Howdy is hanging by two hooks in his chest. So I can only imagine that when D. Snyder was writing this, he was watching a lot of Ripley's Believe It or Not. Um, <laughs> uh, and evidently in this scene, Captain Howdy was trying to die uh, and he didn't. So he gets really mad about that. At the house, Detective Gage tries to turn on his daughter's computer, which is apparently named Horse under the as the label under the screen suggests. <laughs> At the precinct, the chief informs Gage how Tiana was tortured with needles and how she ultimately died. And Gage calls in Angela to find out how to use an internet chat room when they get a call from a fellow investigator looking to the list of contacts in the chat or something like that and provides them with the name Captain Howdy. Should be noted here that Steve Christian is so fucking annoying and terrible in this scene. They just have no rapport, like him and Gage. They just have no rapport whatsoever. And he just is like getting mad at this guy for telling them helpful information. He's just like, hey, listen, man, I'm going to come down there and beat your ass if you don't just tell us the straight truth. And the guy's like, I am. <laughs> You're like, why are you mad at me? I'm telling you what you asked. I'm giving you the information you asked for. And Gage's just like, hey, just settle down, right? Yeah, there's so much There's so much extraneous stuff in this movie that it's just like, why is this even there? Like that scene, for example, it's just like, why... Why wouldn't you just be like, oh, thanks for the information? It's just, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, maybe maybe uh, nobody liked Woody Harrelson's brother, and they're just like, let's just put stuff in, making him look like an asshole. I don't, I don't know. I would say it's that, or D. Snyder's like, well, you gotta have some emotional, dramatic stuff, so we're gonna yeah. have them just fight and be, a, you know, difficult. It's like, that's how they work together. It's like, that's, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more likely that D. Snyder is just a very bad screenwriter. <laughs> so they review the chat history with Howdy and then uh, ultimately engage with him on the chat and they get him to initiate a private chat to go party. That night, a SWAT team surrounds Captain Howdy's would-be house while he threatens to pierce a captive man's penis. <laughs> he, do he actually does it, doesn't he? It doesn't He show, does. Yeah. He does. <laughs> <laughs> this whole scene is really kind of wild because he is threatening him with a bunch of different kinds of penis piercings quite funny when he whispers blood squirts everywhere like that's the other thing d snyder is not intimidating at all as captain howdy because he just sounds like a guy from long island he doesn't yeah. try to sound raspy he doesn't try to do like like you know how like robert england who's in this movie like you know, he talks like this when he's Freddy. He doesn't even do it. He's just like, oh, I hear, the, I hear this hurts a lot when I stab you in the balls. Yeah, I'm going to pierce your penis. <laughs> <laughs> you want the King Arthur? <laughs> uh, or, what, or whatever it is. Not the King Arthur. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, the what is Prince it? Albert? <laughs> yeah, the Prince Albert. Yeah, you want the Prince Albert? Uh, naturally, the SWAT team arrives at a fake location and instead find two old people having sex. Yeah, that was like the funniest because it's just so. I random. was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then the guy, yeah, the guy starts having a heart attack or something. He's just like, I, I, "Yeah, just like, what is happening right now?" And then <laughs> Captain Howdy proceeds to pierce his victim's cock. And he's also collecting urine from Genevieve with a catheter. There's no explanation for why he is doing this. It is never revisited or mentioned again. We just see a tube of 
piss leaking out into a bedpan. Yeah, well, doesn't... I think it gets thrown on him at some point, right? When the detective tracks... Finally actually tracks down the house. I think when they're struggling, he throws the pee in his face to blind him. So <laughs> I don't know. That's freaking great. I missed that. That is so fucking funny. Yeah, so I don't know if that was just to establish. It was the whole... the. I, I can't remember what the, the gun thing where it's like, if you see a gun later in the movie, somebody's going to use the gun. It's like, if you see a, a, if you see a bedpan full of piss, then that piss is going to get thrown on somebody later on. <laughs> Wayne grow used piss throw. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so the next scene, uh, opens with detective gauge waking up in his car, because again, we can't actually show where the movie is taking place before he jumps back into the chat to find that Captain Howdy knows he is a cop. And I love, again, that he's, like, doing this mobily from his car as if, like, Wi-Fi existed in 1998 or any kind of, like, G network. Uh, and he's essentially engaging in a DM argument with him. And he also and Captain Howdy even sends a voice message, which I don't think you could do in 1998. <laughs> Or at least not at the quality that it's at. It would sound really shitty. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, again, Strangeland kind of predicted the future. So <laughs> Gage hears a dog barking in the background of Captain Howdy's message and determines that the call is coming from the house next to the one with a dog conveniently located directly in front of him and is barking and the barks don't match up. Incredibly convenient. <laughs> yeah. And he finds a garbage bag full of needles and breaks into the house with his gun drawn. Like, it, the house may as well have said, the serial uh, torturer lives here. Yeah, it's funny, too, because, yeah, I mean, you would think that they would have at least questioned the couple. Like, oh, are there weirdos in this neighborhood? Or Because it's like, okay, so the IP address or whatever it was that they got from the internet provider was like, oh, it's this house. So you would think they would at least have searched the area, but apparently not. <laughs> no. And like, oh, no one has seen this like bright red haired tattooed man like having to leave his house to go get, you know, a quart of milk because he needs it for his coffee in the morning. Like, Yeah, you would think the couple, the elderly couple would have been like, well, there is a big giant weirdo that lives next door. But no, they're just like, please leave us alone. We're just trying to get all freak on. Oh, oh I'll never get another boner. <laughs> you know how long it took me to get it up? Uh, <laughs> It'll uh. be months, months. <laughs> anyway, Gage finds Captain Howdy's torture room full of all kinds of stuff. People in stockades, crucified, caged up, stabbed with piercings. He tries to uh, free his daughter before Howdy knocks him down. We finally get to see D. Snyder in full glory as Captain Howdy. And, you know, as we've said, he looks pretty stupid. He says he hasn't been afraid of anything his whole life because he wishes he was dead. Gage frees Genevieve and the other victims, and then Howdy is arrested. I guess this is when the piss throwing happens. Yeah, yeah, I believe it was that scene. Uh, we find out that Howdy's real name is Carlton Hendricks, and he winds up getting off on an insanity plea. Doctors at the Maastricht Institute state that Hendricks, who has been diagnosed as schizophrenic with a severe chemical imbalance, is okay as long as he is on his medication. He re-enters society as a changed man three or four years later. It's not very consistent because the movie said four years later, but everyone was saying three years later, which I guess, like, you know, accounts for the trial or whatever. Yeah. 
now D Snyder looks like Getty Lee in his cardigan and glasses <laughs> and ponytail. Uh, on the DVD commentary, D Snyder mentioned that filming the scenes with Carlton Hendricks rehabilitating and wearing a cardigan were the hardest parts of the movie to shoot because he hated wearing the cardigan. <laughs> like it's easier to sit and get make get sit in a makeup chair for three hours, getting all these prosthetics put on. But he's like, oh man, I gotta dress like Mister Rogers. That's a I, bummer. I, I gotta think he is fucking lying yeah, just, he's just so he can sound tough to his fucking fan base. Yeah, I'm sure. He's just like, I'm such a weird freak in real life. I just, putting me in normal clothes, that's like torture. I, yeah, and I can't help but think, like, he's gotta have, like, a really, like, big, cushy, comfortable, like, robe that he just like hangs out on. like d snyder doesn't just like get up and be like all right time to put a, time to you know tease out my hair put on the lipstick do all this bullshit hey honey it's like no he doesn't do that he just wear. i guess now he wears like all that awful clothing that like aging rock stars wear that have like a bunch of like pre-torn shit je- on their jeans with like patches and like a bunch of pointless zippers and like a thousand scarves and a cowboy hat yeah yeah oh yeah no he he for sure dresses like that <laughs> Yeah, and like, yeah, he's they've all got boot cut jeans with uh, really elaborate stitching. Why? What? God, why is that shit so popular? I just, anytime I see it, it just looks so stupid. The only person that I think I've seen wear kind of the goofy like patch jeans or like the, the pouch jeans or the zipper jeans was like, is like Trent Reznor. Like, he's the only person that makes it look kind of okay because he always just winds up, like, taking everything off except for his disgusting T-shirt and his fucking, like, giant fucking lift boots so he looks really tall on stage. And I say this as a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. Like, I fucking love Nine Inch Nails, like, for so much of my life. And he's the only one that looks kind of cool. Like, I just... Everyone else just looks so dumb. Like whenever you see those pictures of like Hollywood vampires and you see like just the fucking nonsense, not even fashionable. It's just like, oh, we're designing cool, edgy, cool clothing. And I'm like, oh God, you guys look just like fucking assholes. Yeah. And it's like the- every other band thinks they can look like that. And then you go see like, I don't know, an actual metal band. And they're just like, yeah, we're wearing our gross t-shirts and jeans that we've been touring with for like fucking forever. Yeah. Hard rock style. I feel like it stopped evolving in like 2003. How? Like, and I know that people say that the 2000s have come back, but like, it's gross that that stuff, I don't know. I just have never found that stuff fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody has, but I, it's because nobody rock music isn't cool anymore. So it, it doesn't have to keep up with youth. It doesn't have to keep up with like youth fashion or youth trends or anything because like to your example, no, nobody under the age of like 40 is listening to Hollywood vampires. Oh, yeah, so no. It's just like they're, they just have to, they're just dressing the way that middle aged guys think is cool, which is not cool. <laughs> no, not at all. After Captain Howdy was captured, and uh, you can see like a bunch of newspaper clippings of the case, D. Snyder wrote all of the clippings as, uh, spoken in the commentary track his reason is for all you dvd nuts out there who would pause and read them for continuity nobody has yeah because there's done so that. many fucking hardcore fans of this yeah. movie nobody has ever done that <laughs> i think they did it for like dawn of the dead or like day of the dead or one of those movies that there was like i know there's a scene where like a newspaper like flaps up and it's like the dead walk and it's like written out but it's also like a page or something like that. It's a prop 
and you could like i think my friends like at some point found those things on like ebay or something and they were trying to get them and like that's really cool that you can get like those props and they like wrote it out and everything but also those are good movies <laughs> yeah yeah that's where true. like that attention to detail is fun no one's asking for the deeper lore of strange land yeah yeah <laughs> So Carlton returns to his home, which has been vandalized. Uh, Genevieve has a nightmare about Captain Howdy. And then there's a gathering of news vans outside uh, Carlton's house, including one lady from BNN, a real fucking creative. All right, so hold on a second. So CNN, what, what does CNN stand for? It's the Cable News Network. So what the fuck does BNN stand for? The Bagel News Network? Yeah, I yeah, your guess is as good as mine. I love like that kind of shit in movies where they just come up with like a really simple alternative to something. I don't, I, I guess this one just doesn't work because if you think about what CNN stands for, like what is BNN? I guess like broadcast news network, it could be like that works, but I, I don't think that's what people go to. Yeah. They could have just called it action news 12 or something. Some, <laughs> some, something that sounds like an actual broadcast channel, but yeah, they were probably, I'm sure D. Snyder was probably just like, oh, BNN, Bullshit News Network or something. <laughs> like, something dumb like that. And you know what? I hate that anyway. <laughs> uh, he uh, eventually addresses the crowd with an apology. And I love it. He's just like, I'm so sorry. His lawyer's there being like, my client is fine. <laughs> and one of the signs in the crowd reads castration for defamation. And another that reads, we're not going to take it. Yeah, the, the we're not going to take it. We all know what that's so. referencing, right? <laughs> Yeah, the castration for defamation sign, I noticed that too, and it's so weird because it doesn't even, what does that even mean? I have, in the context of this movie, I have no idea. So he was, yeah, so his character is a rapist. They they ref, they reference him, like, sexually assaulting and raping some of his victims. Do they not know what defamation means? <laughs> yeah, that's the part that, like, doesn't make any sense, like... <laughs> I don't know. Very, very weird. None of it really makes any fucking sense. Uh, and so Robert Englund as Jackson Roth is introduced here. He's like maybe the only good actor in this. Yeah, his per his performance is the only one that's actually fun to watch because he's just he's clearly just having a good time being a scumbag. Yeah, he he remarks that someone has to take care of Hendrix because he's one of the local town Republicans. <clears throat> I mean, uh, tough guys. <laughs> And uh, he gets really worked up over his daughter being out and about, you know, to his wife. And so decides, oh, uh, I, I, I think maybe uh, this freak took him. And one of the other protesters that was with him is Catherine Sonny McIntosh, a representative from Christians Against Moral Decay or, <laughs> or CAMD, I guess, is the, the, initial, the abbreviation. And I'm assuming this is like a dig at uh, Tipper Gore and like the whole censorship thing and like being proper. I find this dynamic to be really fucking funny by today's standards, considering that like now D Snyder's just this shitty old man who's decided that he doesn't understand trans people and thinks it's a real issue. But he's like, oh, I'm still an ally. And I dressed up in drag my entire career, even though, but these people have blacklisted me. And rightfully so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, D. Snyder's whole thing, it's its like very, because he was one of the people that testified at the, at those censorship hearings in the 80s with Tipper Gore. So it is, 
like it's not a very nuanced like his understanding of all this stuff is not very nuanced it's just like they tried to put a sticker on one of my albums in the like in the 80s and now i'm mad about it so it's like everything he talks about it's just all through that very primitive lens <laughs> yeah he's just like he's just a dumbass he's just a dumb dumb guy yeah so this like kind of commentary or whatever he's trying to do here doesn't like in through the lens of now does not really like work nor is it even really explored very well in this movie she just sort of shows up as a terrible person as you would expect her to be and that's sort of the end of it you know and 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 look i like i like characters like that they serve a good purpose but they have to be like mrs carmody in the mist where they actually get into why she is a fucking like right-wing Christian lunatic and why you should be scared of those fucking people. Yeah. This, yeah. None of the characters in this are fully developed. They're just there. They're, they're just kind of, well, like her, she just shows up and is, is just kind of obnoxious at that. Uh, I think she throws pits at him too. <laughs> yeah. And then, well, she's there at the lynching when they hang him. So that's yes. why, but yeah, it's just, She's just like, why Why do I care that, about this? I don't. Why I don't care about any of these characters. They're just like local local hicks. Just local kind of, yokels. Yeah, um, generic. Yeah, like Cletus from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Roth, like I said, believes that Hendrix has his daughter because she hasn't come home. She's actually just off fucking some guy who immediately falls asleep after having sex <laughs> together. So he and his gang uh, break into Hendrix's house and beat him. And Detective Gage sees them haul him off and his pill bottle gets broken under the tire of one of the cars they drive off in and the detective does not phone in the kidnapping. He just lets them go and they lynch him from a tree branch. Like so the Christian lady's there. And uh, this branch is very obviously conveniently cut into. Like you can yeah. literally see where it's like not attached to the rest of the branch. Like it's it's not, like it literally was like cut and there's like another piece of wood or something holding it on like it's it's really 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 poorly done and eventually after they leave he falls down and he wakes up as captain howdy because of this near-death experience or just holding your breath for a really long time yeah the, oh that i hate that scene so much because he stands up and he he gives himself a one-liner in the script where he's like what a rush yeah it's, it's, it's so corny <laughs> yeah it's really stupid and like you know in the context of like if this was a movie where a guy just like murdered people in the most like violent bloody manner and the point was to just see how many how many different absurd ways could a guy like kill someone and like make blood explode everywhere maybe that's like the right attitude for that kind of movie but not this one <laughs> yeah and it's weird too because it's the explanation for his rehabilitation is that, oh, he's schizophrenic and he's on medication now, so he's fine. But so they hang him. He's hanging for, I don't know what, it, like 10 minutes or whatever. The tree branch snaps and then all of a sudden he's evil again. It's like, I don't, I don't think that's how, I don't think that's how medications, I don't think that's how antipsychotics work. No, I don't <laughs> believe it is either. Like the like he's taking this pill to suppress this personality, and yeah. like he just mystically wakes up because of lack of oxygen and not taking his pills for like a couple hours or something. <laughs> yeah. That's a Robert Englund in his tidy whiteies watching porn at a motel and waiting for his wife in the bathroom. 
uh, before she waltzes out, all clearly all hacked up and bloody and like dying, and starts dancing for him. And he's like, "Oh, baby, that dancing, you're really getting me turned on." And I'm like, "She's literally just like kind of lightly gyrating a little bit." Yeah. And it turns out that Captain Howdy was like puppeteering her somehow. He's not. He's clearly not doing it. And then all of a sudden, he just appears behind her and knocks him out with her and i think this is the only person he kills in the movie right or you said that he unintentionally kills someone else yeah the 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 daughter's friend who they find in the trunk she died because she has they explain it because they said she had some sort of like heart issue or something and the shock from being tortured caused her heart to she had a heart attack and died essentially so he never yeah, okay so this is the only person he like actually He's intentionally killed, the killed entire yeah. movie and he doesn't even do it to like kill her she just sort of dies of her wounds yeah yeah and this is this is like the only scene in the movie that i thought was actually good just because it's so over the top and ridiculous yeah i kind of i i could agree with that like it's it's very weird and strange and i think the fact that it's being carried by Robert Englund probably helps. And then he just gets knocked out with the, un, like the dead, knocked unconscious with the dead body of his wife, which is kind yeah. of hilarious. <laughs> so Howdy sends Gage a message on the IM and then he calls his desk at the police station, which I thought was really funny. And they have a dumb conversation. And then Howdy tortures Robert Englund with hooks into his nipples and laces them up to like a weird, I don't know, like crucifix sewing machine doohickey. Sonny, the Christian lady's there too. And he stabs her in the tits. I think this is while System of a Down is playing. Yeah, yeah, this has got a System of a Down song in it. And then uh, it turns out that Genevieve has been kidnapped again by Captain Howard. This girl gets kidnapped twice in this movie. Yeah, yeah. The amount of brutal torture she's subjected to is really just like, man, give her a break. Like, leave poor uh, Linda Cardellini alone. <laughs> She's she, she has to go on to actually have, like, a decent career. <laughs> yeah. He has left Genevieve's computer open with a webcam set up at their house so he could speak with them directly. And, man, was this funny. The video quality is so shitty, and I know that's just how it looked back then, but I thought this was fucking hysterical. Again, I love when movies portray what the internet is especially early internet it's it's so fucking funny because it was hard to do that because you couldn't just like hire an animation team to just animate like just like a a, like a pre-rendered chat that you just like you know put together and you edit and drop into your movie so that if you're like you know oh let me go online and let me shoot a message to to shane typey 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 shot of this hey shane what's going on hey dylan go fuck yourself you know like (laughs) And it's like, wow, man, Shane, that's such a nice thing of you to say. And you see that. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, it is. Leave me alone. <laughs> I love when they do this stuff. Because you can tell that they're like filming a screen and they have to try to not get the glare or like the weird like visual glitches that they they have with this era. So this is when he reveals that his daughter's in his clutches again. And he goes, so much flesh, so little time. <laughs> It feels like the only effort D. Snyder put into the into the the script is his own like he was writing all these lines that probably in his head 
he's like, oh, oh yeah, this sounds this sounds badass. And then because he can't act, it just sounds really stupid every time. <laughs> every time he delivers a line, or it's just clunky or awkward. The idea of Henry Rollins starring in a movie is probably not a great idea. But every single time I've seen Henry Rollins show up in a supporting role, I fucking love it. I don't care what the movie's like. It's just hilarious because it's Henry Rollins. Yeah, he's just being himself. Him and he, he turns in a great, like, big, brick-headed thug performance. Yeah. Uh, him in the chase, fantastic. Yeah. So fucking funny. And then just, and then you're going on from there. Whether he shows up in a cameo, a small role, he's got, like, an actual role. I love that kind of stuff. The fact that D. Snyder is supposed to be like, oh man, you're carrying this movie and this is D. Snyder, a big rock star and like this acting role. Like, like he's going into this thinking like, well, if Tina Turner could be in, you know, the Road Warrior 3, but like, it's not going to be that because the marketability factor is Tina Turner. Like you're D. Snyder. That's, just, it's not marketable. You're just like, ooh, I'm a little guy that likes to make, wants to make a fucking creepy serial killer movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome was like a relatively big budget movie that came out when she was in a major career, <laughs> career rehabilitation. So she was like legitimately big. But yeah, nobody, unless you were, unless you were an old guy or just a real, real big metal nerd, you're not thinking about Dee Snyder in 1998. <laughs> And like another thing, like I does he have teleporting abilities? He just magically appears and jumps around this town at his convenience. It's really fun, and no one notices him. No one yeah. sees him. Yeah, he's like a six five guy who's all tatted up with like orange hair and facial piercings. Yeah, and no, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Which is like, like it would have maybe made more sense if this took place in like Los Angeles. Like where he could like run off to a place like in town and kind of hide in with the like underbelly of the of the scene, but no, it takes place in like a suburban town in like Colorado or some shit. Yeah, like, I assume. Yeah, yeah, it's Colorado because they show that the town sign. I assume it's supposed. To be I a forgot suburb. about that part. I assume it's supposed to be a suburb of Denver or something, so they can go to a big city. Because I can't see a club like Shibalba in a small Colorado town. <laughs> no, it's ridiculous. So anyway, detective gauge destroys the keyboard in a very hilarious destruction yeah. <laughs> scene and reveals that he did not intervene when, uh, Robert Anglin abducted captain Howie to his wife, essentially like allowing this whole stupid situation to happen. Again. <laughs> a couple of cops happen upon Howdy's new torture room and the victims are rescued, including, uh, Robert Anglin and Sonny. Although I think he could have left her behind. Like, I love too that like, he's so bad that they just find his like torture room again. <laughs> they just rescue everybody. Like, I, I just think it's so, it's so like detrimental to the gravitas of this. Like, just like, oh, they're being tortured. Uh, we found him. It's fine. Yeah. He's very much not a criminal mastermind. No, he's kind of an idiot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's but really so is dumb. everyone else in the movie. So detective Gage returns to Zibarba and to confront uh, Captain Howdy. And the club briefly looks cool in the sequence with the red lighting, but Gage's delivery is so fucking bad. It just undermines the scene. Eventually, Howdy shows up and they fight. And I feel like all of Howdy's dialogue is what, like you were saying, D. Snyder thinks is cool. Like, I think he is like, oh, I'm going to write this like the Joker because I liked <laughs> Batman comics when I was young. And the Joker was such a good villain because he was 
thematically and like theatrically crazy. And I'm like, that is objectively true. It just depends on how you actually understand it because his version just comes across as like, oh, I'm crazy. Yeah. So it's a lot less Jack Nicholson or Heath Ledger and a lot more like Jared Leto Joker. Yeah, it's very much like Mountain Dew brain, hot topic, like welcome to my twisted mind (laughs) style dialogue. Gage winds up ripping out a few of his facial piercings, but he wind, he just keeps coming. And finally he stabs him with a hook chain and pulls the chain. So he's swinging back and forth by like his back or shoulder or something. And Howdy taunts him by bringing up assaulting his daughter, which prompts Gage to throw gas over him and then lighting him on fire. And you could so clearly tell that D Snyder's wearing a big fake rubber chest for the fire. To oh, yeah. on because <laughs> it's like, extremely obvious. it's like, comically larger than him like it looked like one of those action figures where like the chest and the arms don't connect so they can like punch faster yeah (laughs) it's and like the chest is just like a solid brick of like the definition of like a manly body yeah in this case it just yeah but in this case it looks like they just took like you know those like practice dummies that football players use to like run (laughs) into it this looks like they took that and like put it around him it looks so fucking bad. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's really fake. <laughs> Not Woody Harrelson shows up to pull Detective Gage out of the burning church, and he goes home before the movie ends on a half-faded shot of Captain Howdy before cutting the credits. Not even a shot of him, like, alive or laughing, just, like, sneering at the camera. Yeah, it's just and a then, still frame. <laughs> it doesn't even look like the church is burning down. It just looks like it's on fire inside, and then just, like, a bad Quiet Riot song for the credits, which is, like, the least horror-sounding music ever. So yeah, that was Strangeland. I thought this was overall pretty bad and extremely stupid, but it's kind of amusingly bad in how stupid it is. Uh, D. Snyder is a horrible serial killer. The rest of the cast is terrible in it. It's generally just a very clumsy and dumb flick that sort of blunders its way into being unintentionally amusing. Unless somebody was a really horror movie completist, I probably would not recommend it because... But it's only, it's 90 minutes long. It goes pretty quickly. It doesn't, it actually doesn't really drag that much, which is No, it doesn't. It it moves along, um, but, you know, at the sacrifice of it being, like, good, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's, like, it's ultimately, like, despite the, like, presence of or mentioning of, like, sexual assault in it, it's a pretty, like, harmlessly stupid movie. Um, Yeah, Yeah. It's a background movie. It's bad, but it's not unwatchable. Like, I think if you got fucking tanked and wanted to bat, watch a bad movie, this would be a good contender for it. You know, it has enough. It, it's kind of the right level of like bad, but good because it, it it blunders its way through it. And it's not dull. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting in in the sense that it's the kind of the, the first like new metal soundtrack movie. It's the it's far as i can tell the first internet horror movie but yeah i i don't know if somebody if one of your friends has it on dvd or something you could borrow it and watch it i don't think that i would actually pay to watch this movie even i I know it's available for rent i think on like amazon and google and uh voodoo i watched it yeah i think it's available for rent for like four dollars which is not that much but 
I don't know. I just downloaded the torrent of it. This was definitely like a like a three ninety nine uh, bargain bin special at FYE back in the day. Oh you know? yeah, for sure. Like yeah. I could imagine they had a lot of copies of this at like FYE and Suncoast, and like you could buy this, or it would be in like a package of movies where it's like movies featuring like metal people or some bullshit. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. If you're like really into horror movies that deal with heavy metal you could watch this but yeah i when i i worked in a i worked in a movie store i worked in a hollywood video uh in the late 90s and yeah strange land was perennially one of the movies that if we needed to make more room on the shelf we'd pull a copy of strange land down and put it up for sales used because it's just like nobody's renting this nobody's buying it either So Shane, uh, have you watched anything uh, worthwhile talking about that's not fucking Strangeland? Oh boy. Uh, Let me see. I just finished re-watching the entirety of the Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th uh, franchises. I did watch all the Friday the 13th this year and I have just one... No, I have two more Nightmares to re-watch but i'll let you continue (laughs) oh no worries yeah i mean there's obviously there's there's good movies in there but also just total garbage i did the other night i did watch uh no one will save you which i think it was one of those straight to hulu movies is that the alien movie yeah there's no dialogue in it it's 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 to it's all just like physical acting and stuff but yeah it's it's like a sci-fi horror movie Mm -hmm. about an alien invasion which the no dialogue thing seems kind of gimmicky, which is kind of the reason that I didn't watch it sooner. Um, but it, it works just within the context of the movie. And there's like a pretty funny, the ending is, it's kind of a grim movie, but the ending is kind of, there's a twist ending that's kind of funny and fun. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like that. I wouldn't say it was great. It's, it's probably like, I don't know, we're talking letter grades. It's, probably like a a solid b uh but yeah i mean it's well acted for a movie where you can't express any (laughs) you can't express (laughs) any emotions verbally everything has to be done with your your face or or acting um what else have i watched recently that was not i watched a killer condom actually because oh yeah because you're gonna be you're gonna you know that episode of iop supper will have come out by now but yeah, that's a fun movie. That it's another one like Strange Land I saw in the '90s and haven't seen since then. Since then, unlike Strange Land, it actually uh, was better than I remember it being. I, it's it's pretty fun and pretty well done for an extremely low budget movie about condoms that bite off guys' dicks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I yeah, I would recommend The Killer Condom. It's a good movie. I don't know. I think Vinegar Syndrome released it on Blu-ray recently, but you can find it there's multiple versions of it uploaded on YouTube that you can watch if you want to do that too. Nice. Uh, well, I, uh, have now watched all of the Hellraiser movies. Uh, so oh, I uh, watched <laughs> as of this episode, Hellraiser nine revelations, which was fucking terrible. And <laughs> Hellraiser 10 judgment, which is kind of a mess but I'll give it props for trying to be more of an authentic Hellraiser movie than the previous entries. Yeah. That's a series that I have not been able to bring myself to watch all of. I, I, I've seen one through one, wait, one through four. I saw, I actually saw four, uh, four's bloodlines, right? The one in, yeah. The one with Adam Scott and, and and in space and like in time. I mean, I love the first two. 
I think they're great. Uh, and I've said this before on the episodes. And three is like ridiculous, but it's like it works enough for me that I think it's very fun to watch. And four is very, very stupid, but hilarious. And then like the rest of them are all just kind of like movies that weren't Hellraiser movies, but then they got Pinhead written into them. And like a lot of them are not really good, but I find them to be very entertainingly dumb. So I generally like all of the Hellraiser sequels with the exceptions of, I think I said seven was really bad and uh nine nine was awful like not seven has like redeemable stuff but it handles a lot of like i i had said sexual assault stuff very very badly and nine nine is awful nine is fucking terrible yeah i think they're all on hbo max they're all on one of the streaming services right now maybe i don't know maybe i should try and tear through those this week but yeah i yeah i also like one through three three was the first hellraiser movie i ever saw so i have a soft spot for that that but, out of context has got to be very strange. Yeah, it didn't really make any. It didn't make any sense. Um, but my friend and I went and saw four in the theater, and I hated it so bad that I just never <laughs> bothered watching any of the other ones. I did see that one they released a year or two ago on Hulu. I it was fine. I feel like I I, I felt the same way. I thought like it was generally like I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. There were yeah. some very, very cool visuals and some really cool ideas in it, but I thought overall it was a bit long and kind of just dragged. And I don't know. I, I just was kind of neutral about the whole thing. I don't know. Yeah, I know. Certainly I know more watchable than the Halloween sequels. Yeah, that's true. Those I, I did a rewatch of those last October, and that was really – because Halloween, Halloween 1 is one of my favorite, just straight-up favorite movies, period. And two is fun, three is fun, but then, man, after that, it's really... I it's think a cursed franchise, I'm telling you, it's a cursed franchise. I know that I'm in the minority in liking H20, but I do like H20 a lot, uh, but that's really it. For H2O? Me, yeah, yeah. I don't really like it that much, but in terms of it, like, as a movie, it's better than any of the other sequels. Oh, yeah, for that sure. That preceded it, like... With the exception of, like, two. Like, I don't think... I think it's... Like, I think two is fine. Like, the first half's kind of bad, kind of whatever, kind of bad. But then the second half is very fun. And Michael's... Like, all the kills in it are fucking great. But H2O is... You know, it's kind of just goofy because of the time that it came out, but it's more serviceable as a sequel than any of the preceding films. And yeah, I'm... Yeah. So it, I can... I can, you know, I can kind of tolerate that one. I just... To me, I feel like it's a Scream movie without being a Scream movie. Yeah, it's very much in that the post-Scream slasher revival vein with I Know What You Did Last Summer and Valentine and Urban Legends and all that stuff. I think Kevin Williamson wrote H20, though, or he directed it or something. So it's a little, it's like it's done better than all the other Scream knockoffs, but for me, the perfect screen or the perfect Halloween trilogy is Halloween one, Halloween two, and then H20 to wrap it up. And then three, you got to add three in there because it's batshit insane. I like three a lot. So yeah, no, three was directed by Steve Miner, but it was a story by Kevin Williamson. He did an uncredited, uh, ver yeah, I, he did an uncredited story take on it. Yeah. I knew he had something to do with it. And it's got all those, it's got all the, like some of the cast of Dawson's Creek. It's got, uh, 
what is that kid's name? Um, he was in Josh Josh, uh, Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett. Oh, yeah. Then, I love all these movies because they have all these like gestating like actors that would go on to be pretty well known. Yeah, that actually that reminds me. I rewatched I, I rewatched The Faculty for the umpteenth time the other night, which is a late nineties sci fi. Oh yeah, movie. I like The Faculty. I, yeah, I love it. It's so good. It's so much fun. But yeah, that's. I feel like a lot of people haven't seen it. It kind of just got lost in the shuffle with a lot of those other. But that's another one. Robert Rodriguez directed it. Kevin Williamson wrote it. This, I think, was the last movie that um, Elijah Wood did before he started shooting Lord of the Rings. Uh, but yeah, it's so it's so much fun. It, it yeah, rolls. I'm, I'm definitely a fan. Like it's 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 pretty goofy, but I I like it. And speaking, well, speaking of Kevin Williamson, we watched uh, the rest of the Scream movies. So, oh god, uh, I'm gonna. So, just gonna say it. I am not a Scream fan. It's just it does not do anything for me. I don't really like the formula or the format. I don't really like the first movie. I think it thinks it's really fucking smart. And I think watching it now, it's really fucking smug. So I'm not super into it. My hot take. I actually really liked Scream 2. I enjoyed it a lot more than Scream 1. That is I'm a not, hot take. <laughs> it's it's def, it's got to be a really hot take. Again, like I'm not huge on it. I don't think it's like a perfect movie, but I found it for whatever reason to be like just a lot more palatable than the first movie. I don't really know why. It was not because Timothy Oliphant was in it. He was real <laughs> gooberish and over the top in it. Scream 3 sucks, in my opinion. I thought that the twists in it were lazy and really poorly integrated into the plot. I think that movie blows. And then Scream 4, I thought was like a bit better. Generally didn't do much for me. Scream 5, kind of the same. And then I think Scream 6 is the one that I probably enjoyed the most alongside too. Like, you know, it's okay. Very equally measured of things I liked and didn't like. But the one thing I will give the, the newer movies is that, and I think this is because I'm not like a scream purist or anything. Like I didn't really care that he used a gun to kill people. I was just like, all right, cool. He's like actually like just up, like there's just blood everywhere. He's just like this fucking insane murderer and shit, uh, ghost face. So. Yeah. so those are my feelings on scream. Not a fan of the first one. I like two and six and the rest are kind of like, you know, four and five are kind of whatever for me. And I think three blows. So I'm not, I'm just like not really a fan of the series. So I, I love the, I do love the first scream. It's one of my favorite horror. It's probably in my top five horror movies, but I hate the rest of them. Just like unanimously across the board. I think they all suck. Yeah. That's but the, so interesting. But the, the, yeah, the whole, the, the people getting upset about the gun thing. I, I feel like they maybe have they not seen the original ones because he's it got a sick. gun in all of, he's got a gun in all of them. Yeah. They always wind up in like a, some kind of weird standoff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it's just young people who just haven't seen the first three or something because it is very, the first three, well, and then four is kind of in there, but six and five, I can't, I can't even remember the numberings, but the last two are completely basically separate at this point from the timelines. But I don't know. Yeah, I love the first Scream. The rest of them, I tried rewatching two and three recently, and was just I couldn't make it through the movies. And I'll I'll watch more as they release them. It's the same with Halloween. Like I watch every Halloween. I watch every Scream movie that comes out because I'm a mark. Uh, but I I don't and I'll probably never watch any of them besides the first one again. That's really interesting. I would say we both 
have pretty hot takes about Scream because I know like the fan base for those movies is very dedicated. Beyond that, I also watched uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Leatherface. Oh, that one's so weird, yeah. I thought it was like, all right. It's just kind of a retelling of the first film by way of the second movie. I'm not really sure why it was called Leatherface. He's not in it a ton. Maybe a hot take too, but I thought this would have, I think I would have liked this better if it was just kind of a weird cannibal movie and not explicitly a Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel. Ken Forey versus Vigo Mortensen. Yeah. Pretty good though. Um, I don't know, maybe a revisit. It does have some fun heavy metal in it. So like, you know, not, not, not the worst thing ever, but like, you know, I, I like the first two movies a lot. Um, This one I just thought was kind of fine. Terror of Mechagodzilla, uh, which, you know, first time for my partner, uh, many time rewatch for me, but this was the original Japanese cut and uh, wildly different than the American dub, a much better movie, surprisingly dark, despite it being extremely wacky. Uh, I had also consumed some mushrooms earlier in the day, so that might have uh, <laughs> impacted <Affected> it. <laughs> uh, we also watched Showgirls, which is like maybe the most wild fucking ride of a movie I've ever seen. But Showgirls like is batshit, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, but I like it. Then we watched Enter the Void, and I remember when this movie came out. And I feel like it was it was like a pretty big college movie. I think for some folks, starting off the decade of the 2010s. I didn't see it at the time and I'm kind of glad I didn't because I don't think I would have understood it or appreciate it. And I, I overall did like it. Uh, and I think it's very interesting that it kind of bookends the decade as a film about death and rever- and rebirth, but I'm not going to act like that movie is not pretentious as fuck. It is so pretentious. Um, yeah. I've visually still- very cool. You know, it just requires a lot of patience if you're into it, but I fully get why people think it's just like pop is schlock. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I love Gaspar Noe's movies, but I still haven't watched it yet because, yeah, it just seems, because it's really long, isn't it? It's pretty long. It's like maybe like two, two and a half hours, something like that. Yeah. You got to invest some time into it. And, it, and you know, it's a weird movie. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that other, what was the one about the dance troupe that gets dosed with LSD and just like goes insane? I don't know, I'm not super familiar with his filmography. Oh, yeah, I, well, what I haven't seen that one either. I think it's called Cli- Climax, that's what it is. But yeah, I like Gaspar Noe a lot, but for whatever reason, I just haven't seen those two yet. Also watch The Void, which is a rewatch for me. I still am a pretty big fan of that flick. Watched Crater Lake Monster, which is a post-Jaws lake monster movie about a plesiosaur-type critter waking up in the titular Crater Lake, spends way too much time dealing with the antics of two town drunks and not enough time with the cool stop-motion dinosaur. (laughs) There's also a robber on the run that is introduced later in the film, and he kind of looks like Revolver Ocelot from Metal Gear Solid. (laughs) Overall, pretty bad. And then we watched Demons because we wound up going to see the Goblin live show. Oh, you went? I, I went to that too. The tickets for that show were so crazy expensive that they I was, were so expensive. I was like, because I saw them do Suspiria last year, and I was like, I love demons. I don't know if I want to spend this much money, but I decided to go at the last minute. And the balcony area was the only thing that had tickets that weren't making my eyes bulge out. So it, it was good though. I'm, yeah, it was it was fun. I mean, Goblin. I, I like Goblin's music a lot demons is is like a perfect horror film so yeah i i love it it's so good uh and then the kind of outside the horror movies i watched barbie and i liked it uh 
paints things with pretty broad strokes, but I think it works. <laughs> uh, it embraces the weirdness slash meta nature of it. I, it was it was good uh, overall. I, I maybe not like super on the same hype train as everyone else, but I thought Barbie was was very good. And we also watched Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Personally speaking, multiverse stuff is not my favorite. I think they all kind of operate the same way. I don't really like the cinematic versions of it. So I've kind of fallen out of favor with the MCU or the DCU. But that said, I thought Across Spider-Verse did the concept really well. And the fact that it's animated, I think, really bolsters up that, like, kind of translating a lot of that stuff. It's a gorgeous movie. The animation is absolutely beautiful. Action set pieces are great. The voice acting is great. The music is great. And I really, just with the exception of it being a part one of two and some of the longer info dump scenes, I thought it was great. I, I loved the first film. You know, I that's just kind of a personal preference between the two, but I thought this was great. It's probably my favorites of the big blockbuster films that came out this year, which, you know, I know there was a lot of discourse about them and how this was like the year that a bunch of, you know, Marvel and DC movies were not kind of running you know, reigning king at the box office. But I, I think this was the one I liked the most. Uh, I, I really, really, really dug it. Yeah, I recently watched Into the Spider-Verse for the first time. And yeah, I like that a lot. I haven't seen Across the Spider-Verse yet. But yeah, I mean, if Marvel movies were more like, if the MCU stuff, the, the core MCU stuff was more like that, by that I mean like creative and interesting <laughs> i would probably because i i gave up on mcu movies after i think the last one i saw was thor love and thunder and it's just like this sucks i don't know i just i was into it at first because i grew up collecting comic books and you always yeah, wanted same. To, when you're young you always wanted to see comic book movies and then they finally started making them but i i definitely saw endgame or whatever the last of that the like Thanos cycle was or whatever, then it got to the point where you had to start taking in, you know, a dozen episodes of these Disney plus shows for the movies to e even make any sense. And at that point I was just like, I'm, I'm I think I'm done. Cause I, yeah. I don't really, <laughs> we I watched, don't really care. We watched WandaVision and that was about it. And I thought that was an imperfect show. In my opinion, there was stuff I really liked about it. There was stuff I really didn't like about it. And I I think the last one we watched was like Black Panther 2, which I liked. Probably not as good as the first one, but, you know, I liked it enough. If they just transitioned to full animation, like in this Spider-Verse style, I would probably be a lot more invested in the stuff. So I liked it a lot. And then I also watched La Perdita Durango, which is an incredibly strange film. Simultaneously out of control in such a fun way. The leads are all great in it. And yet the story doesn't really amount to much. And there's some very, 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 very questionable takes in this, such as the <laughs> consensual rape that happens in it that didn't really leave the best taste in my mouth. That just, yeah, that's, there was uh, some real weird. fucking hot take in that movie. I thought that was very strange. So kind of a kind of a problematic movie, if, if I'm being honest. <laughs> just like, I don't think that that worked. And, you know, like that's... That's a concept that I think should be handled with like maybe a little bit more grace than being like, it's fine. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Left kind of a weird, weird feeling with me. Oh, but actually I did skip over a whole, a couple other movies. We watched uh, Child's Play 2, which was a rewatch for me. And uh, first time watched Child's Play 3, uh, which is not as good as 1 and 2, but far from the travesty that I think 
people seem to think it is. I thought it was totally watchable. And so far, really enjoying the Child's Play movies again. Like, weirdly endearing after all these years. Yeah, they. I, I'm behind on... I've seen, I've seen up to, I think, Curse of Chucky. I started watching the series they put out, but it didn't really grab my attention. They're on Shudder now, so maybe I'll revisit. But yeah, I remember the first one is great. The the third one is the one that's at the military academy where he's a little bit, Andy is a little bit older, right? Yeah, it's a different actor. And like, you know, it's not as good as the first two, but I, I thought it was decent enough. Like, I, I fully enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I like, I want to go back and watch Bride of Chucky because I remember liking that a lot because it's it's more of a black, I mean, it's, it's obviously still a horror movie, but it's more of a black comedy. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like the guy that directed Freddy versus Jason, which probably would explain why I like Freddy versus Jason so much too. But yeah, oh, I mean, to... my hot take is I don't really like that movie. I, I think that, I mean, I don't know if that's even a hot take. I think a lot of people feel that. I, I think a lot of people don't like it. I don't know. I just, I know a lot of people are big fans of it but i just found it to be kind of stupid and like it's a bit more endearing than like alien versus predator because it was made for the fans whereas i think like alien versus predator is a visually kind of nice film but like overall a really stupid bad way of doing like that crossover um yeah so i'll give it that but yeah i'm not a super big fan of freddy versus jason yeah i i mean i legitimately think it's one of the best of both <laughs> of it's a it's a crossover but it's like one of the best installments of both franchises yeah i'm not a big friday the 13th fan you know i like six and i like jason x and that's kind of yeah see i don't really like jason x i tr- i tried to i've tried to i've rewatched it so many times but i just am like i just don't like this movie it's just boring i don't know there's a few there's a few entertaining kills in it but the, for the most part, the only thing that I like is the holodeck scene where with the 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 two the two co-eds in the sleeping bags getting yes. smashed together. The month of October, uh, our plan was to watch all of the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Episodes oh, yeah, yeah. That was we thought that would be fun. And uh, so far, we're about halfway through. Like, I'll probably drop in a recap of the rest of the ones um, for the episode at the end of the running through these. But like one through eight are all bangers. I thought yeah. they were all fucking great. Nine through 11, kind of a mixed bag. 12 to 13, surprisingly good. 14 to 15, again, mixed bag. And I think at this point, you can kind of, you could kind of tell that the drop in quality of writing for The Simpsons is starting around here. And they're also starting to venture away from horror spoofs. 16 was fucking terrible. And again, 17 was a mixed bag, kind of leaning towards like not good. I mean, in its heyday, I, I mean, like everybody else, The Simpsons was one of my favorite shows. But I just, yeah, I, I think the last, I think I stopped watching in two, 1999 or 2000. So I haven't seen any, I haven't seen anything at all past that. But yeah, even then they were, yeah, I mean, like season nine and 10 were kind of starting to get like, these aren't good anymore. I don't know. I I'm always like maybe I should go back and rewatch it, but there's there's so many episodes at this point. I just I can't. One through eight are like fucking. That's such peak era though. Like those first oh, yeah. seasons are fantastic. So it's like some of the greatest I, television that's ever been made. 
Right. Yeah. And like, I don't know, it's weird. Like they just got really more about like the animation and it just felt more like family guy where they just had like bits like going and going and going and they just like kind of dragged the jokes out. And I'm like, oh, this sucks. This is yeah. Great. And then outside of those, the other horror movies I've watched this month so far were Ticks, which I thought was really good and Ticks fun. Good. The Abominable Dr. Fives, which I thought rocked. Dead Heat, which I thought was really good. It was excellent. Killer, I love that. Uh, Killer Crocodile, the Italian Jaws ripoff. Again, just so stupid, but <laughs> I liked it a lot. The, this episode, Strangeland. And then last night we watched The Fall of the House of Usher. So evidently the theme of this year is Vincent Price. <laughs> that, I mean, that's a good theme to have. Vincent Price is, he's good in everything. He's so fun to watch in, in everything. He is, he is. He's, he's so good. I saw that Aeon Flux was on Paramount. So I was like, all right, I'll watch it. Because they said it was the first season. Apparently what I watched was the third season. So it didn't really make any sense watching that because i didn't have the context of the first two but whatever i thought it was still awesome it's just horny mobius so i was i'm very i was very into it i finally finished metalocalypse so i just need to finish the i need to watch the rock opera and then the new movie we finished the first season of the clone wars the star wars show which i thought was pretty good oh yeah yeah and conversely, we watched the Book of Boba Fett, and that's more like the Book of B-roll. I don't even know what the <laughs> fucking point of that show was. Not very good. And I finished Berserk, which I really dug, uh, despite it being pretty out there. And I'm interested to watch the subsequent films that are released with it. That is a that is an, a, an intense out there anime. Yeah, I feel like I've seen I've definitely seen some episodes of Berserk, but I don't. I don't know why I never finished it because I feel like I remember liking it. I don't know. It was kind of the point where I just completely lost in it, interest in anime. So I so maybe I'll maybe I'll try and check it out. Well, it it doesn't. It's not the complete story. Like they only adapt like a certain portion of it, and then the rest. And then there's like a couple of movies that continue telling the story. So I'll be. I'm interested to see what they do with them. Uh, in terms of some books I've been reading, I finished Star Wars Dark Force Rising and The Last Command, so I'm done with the Thrawn trilogy, and I really like that. I read The Books of Blood, Volume 1 by Clive Barker. Oh, I that's really it. good. Yeah, highly recommend. I read the first volume of Monstrous by Marjorie Liu and uh, Sana Takeda, and I dug that. It's, it's kind of like a hybrid of Western fantasy and manga, just absolutely gorgeous artwork. Uh, right now, I'm finishing up Batman 89, which is an adaptation of Sam Hamm's proposed third Batman film, and I'm really digging it. And uh, some music wrecks. Uh, I really liked the new album by Undergong. That's the crusty, grimy German death metal band. I'm not really familiar with them, but I really like the new album. Yeah, I actually saw them last night at TVI. They were Oh, nice. How was that? Yeah, it was really, they're really good. Yeah, I, I've been a fan of them for a bit now. And they've come to New York before, but I think, I think the last time they were here, it was definitely pre-COVID. I think it may have been 2015 and 2016. But yeah, it was fun. Um, Pittsgrave opened for him. Pittsgrave is another one of those kind of just like knuckle-dragging caveman death metal bands. It's a lot of fun. I, I second Undergang or Undergang or however you pronounce their name. <laughs> this uh, another German band, Acid Rooster, which is very like kraut rock influenced psychedelic rock uh, band. They have a new album out, Flowers Dead Souls. 
you know, I know that style's kind of like played out, but I think they do it very well. I liked the new Cavill Attack album. I wasn't really hot on the last one, but I enjoyed the new mm-hmm. one a lot. Um, the new Slowmatics album is good. Sludgy Space Doom. The new Domecraft is good. Did Tumble put up a new album? Uh, yeah, or maybe an EP. Yeah, they put one out, uh, I don't know, a month, two or three weeks ago. Or yeah, it was fairly recently. It's very, it's very progressive. It's very like prog metal influenced. Yeah, they definitely are pulling from the Dream Unending uh, sound for it. Uh, but, you know, I really liked it. Like, <laughs> I, I fucking love Doom Mold. They're great. Uh, I thought that new Blood Incantation single was really good. The new Baroness album I liked a lot. Uh, Stone, I thought it was a big step up from the last one. So I was I was excited about that. Uh, that new Dream Unending Worm split, Star Path, was really good. Um, they just keep putting out really good stuff. And Ozark Tentacles has a new album out. I'm fucking thrilled that that band's <laughs> back. I think that band rocks. Anything you've been listening to that you want to highlight? Oh, man. I'm trying to think because I, I, I work in... I work in like digital music marketing. So a lot of what I listen to is like what I'm working on. Yeah. I mean, I'll definitely second the new, uh, the undergoing album. New two mold is really good. I listen to so much music for work that it's hard to like separate Mm -hmm. what I'm listening to uh, that I, that I, (laughs) the stuff that I am being paid to like versus what I'm, (laughs) what I'm like actually listening to for fun. I haven't actually been listening to a lot of metal because that's, I mean, I work, so I work for uh, nuclear blasts parent company. I do marketing for nuclear blast and some other smaller uh, rock and metal labels. So I've been listening to a lot of non-metal stuff. Oh, you know, what's really good is that new Callus Dowboys EP that they kind of surprise released on Friday. What is that? Oh, it's called God smiles on the Callus Dowboys. If you're not familiar with them, they are kind of like a new mathcore band, but they have influence from hardcore music and like 80s rock. I I don't know. There's they have they have they're kind of pulling all these different influences that don't seem like they would work well together, but they do. Like they have a saxophone on a lot of their songs. They have a they have like a full-time violin player. But yeah, I would definitely listen to any anything the Callous Dowboys have re- released. I uh, I will go to bat for the new Boris that Boris in uniform collaborative album. Is yeah, really that good. was really good. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think that came out a little bit ago though. I think that's been a few months. I guess because I keep re-listening to it. <laughs> that's why. That's how I can tell it's good because it, I want to listen to it again. Emma Ruth Rundle a while back released uh, uh, recorded a recording of her Roadburn set from last year. Uh, it's called Engine of Hell. That's really good if you if you're into that kind of. I don't know what you would even call her like, like dark I'm, folk. Yeah, like gothic folk, kind of doomy. This isn't really this isn't really new. This album came out last year, but uh, this Italian doom band called Messa can't remember what it's called, but they put an album out in 2022 that's excellent. Uh, it's another one that I just keep listening to. Oh, man. Uh, Outer Heaven came out with an album a few months ago uh, called, uh, here it is, Infinite Psychic Depths. If you're not familiar, Outer Heaven is, they're very much in death metal in the vein of like Morbid Angel and that kind of stuff where it's 
it's heavy, but it's a little bit more on the technical side. Um, <laughs> I think we saw them one time because we were, I forget what show, maybe they were playing with like Gate Creeper or something, but like it was just insane. I don't know. My my partner was not into it. Oh, yeah. Elder, I, I like them a lot. Uh, yeah. They're maybe not for everybody, but I, I do uh, I do enjoy Outer Heaven a lot. What else? The new Mutoid Man album that came out is really good. I like uh, the new uh, Wolves in the Throner album too. Yeah, I see. I like Wolves in the Throne Room, but I just, I, I've gotten to the point where it's like, okay, I've heard this before. Like I saw them when they came through Brooklyn um, last weekend or the weekend before, and I liked the show, but then I was also just like, I don't know if I need to see them live anymore because <laughs> I've seen them three or four times at this point. And it's just, their music to me is more like, like headphone music. Like I need to, I need to sit down and I don't know, maybe get stoned and, and listen to it loud on headphones for whatever reason. It just, I just don't really click with it live. I don't know why. I mean, I saw them when they were on tour with at the gates and behemoth and it was like a really short set. So I wanted like, so I was like, Oh, I'm going to go see them because I, I would like to actually see them play like a whole, like at least an hour. And they played for a while. And like, yeah. it was weird. Cause I, I saw that show too. And I got there pretty late because i so i i didn't see most of the other bands and i assumed that i would have gotten there for black braid but when i got there black braid was like on their last song so like it just started so early yeah and it did yeah so i got there and like basically just saw the wolves in the throne room set and like i thought they were great i thought they were really cool it's like their sound is so fucking neat I do think their little guitar lights are kind of goofy. Yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> like, it, I don't know. It might look cool as a picture, but I feel like when you're watching it, you can just see the little LED light on there. So I think it looks kind of corny. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they should have not done that. Yeah, they. I think they've had those every time I've seen them. But the first time I saw them, I was like, do they have those guitars where the frets are li light up? <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just these, yeah, it says laser lights. So yeah, if you take a picture of it, it you'll probably see the little laser in the, because they have a lot of smoke, a uh, smoke yeah. machine going. But yeah, it, on live, it looks corny. It looks like those LA gear light up tennis shoes they used to sell. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much of your audience is into power metal, but uh, this German power metal band that I've been into for like 20 years called Iron Savior just released a, a new album called uh, Firestar. That that's awesome. I have to say that I worked on the marketing for the the album, so I'm I'm maybe uh, biased, but it I think it's a legitimately fun, like dopey power metal album that's about like fighting aliens and flying around in starships and everything sounds fun <laughs> yeah i mean power metal it's that's like the dorkiest well one of the dorkier metal subgenres. and i know a lot of people don't like it but i i just i like big solos and songs about riding on the wings of an eagle and battling dragons and <laughs> and wizards and stuff See, I like that stuff too, but I like when it's really dreary and it's just like, <laughs> you know, and they're just like, the Doom Lord wore his cloak. Yeah, I mean, it just depends on my mood. Sometimes if I sometimes if I need a pick-me-up, then I'll, you know, power metal is there. I can't listen to, I like Doom Metal, but I can't listen to it that much. Like Black Metal, I, I used to listen to a ton of it. I'm just like, I think I'm just over it. I barely, I, I like essentially don't listen to Black Metal anymore. 
Oh, although there is, I can't remember what it's called. It's called like, uh, let me see. There's, there is a black metal album that came out in the last few weeks that I do like a lot, but it's because it's, it's that corny, very synthesizer heavy kind of black metal. It's not the, it's not like the cold frozen wasteland stuff. What is that called? I'm I mean, sure. I, I mean, I fucking love Stormkeep. I think they're awesome. Like, I like that kind of stuff. That, That's what that, this is like. Yeah, uh, it's like that synth. It's got a lot of synth stuff, and it's real goofy. And you're talking about like going on a quest, and there's a map and a book and some dragons and a wizard and his staff. Like, I like that stuff. That stuff's very fun. Yeah, you'll probably okay. So the album is Moonlight, or the band is Moonlight Sorcery. I listened to it, and like for whatever reason, I just was kind of like mum on it <laughs> yeah i i do like it i do like it a lot but also they're from finland so i'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop and find out half the band was in like goat moon or something is that one of the horrible racist bands yeah i mean like every black metal band from finland I, they must there must be a law there where everybody in finland has to play in goat moon for like six <laughs> months or something because like i mean it's not a big country obviously it's it's a very small black metal scene but yeah there finland is one of the countries that has like an inordinate amount of nazis involved in their black metal scene so i basically just like don't listen to anything from like finland or poland or e really eastern europe at all anymore <laughs> um yeah it, it's dicey but yeah i'm just i'm trying to listen to moonlight sorcery a whole lot of times before i find out there's a there's like a scumbag in the band so we've been talking about some shows that obviously Shane and I have been at uh, a couple together. I also went to go see Elder and Resin at Brooklyn Monarch because I really fucking dig Resin and uh, I like, you know, I like Elder too. Uh, I took my mom to see the Psychedelic Furs at Radio City. For oh, I wanted day. that would be, was that good? I wanted to go. Yeah, to it was great. So they were, yeah, they were, they were great and they were playing first. So we left. And then I snuck over to Terminal 5 to see Mr. Bungle, uh, which oh, was yeah, pretty yeah. fun. Uh, went to Desert Fest. You can listen to the recap episode of that for my coverage. I snuck out of Desert Fest early to go see Grap Orlock at their farewell show at St. Vitus. RIP that band. What a band. The Sawtooth Grin opened up for them. And, you know, not really my thing, but they're good at what they do, which is to be insane and have seven <laughs> people on stage and scream a lot. And there was one of them was just like sitting behind the drum kit and somebody was introducing them. And it was like, this is Kenny and this is Bobby and Jimmy <laughs> and Ronnie and Freddie. It was it was pretty funny. I went to the uh, chat pile show at LPR with Nerver and Empire State Bastard. And I totally forgot that Empire State Bastard has Dave Lombardo. Yeah. In it. Uh, so that was pretty cool to see. And I, I think I wound up liking Nerver the most of those three bands. I thought Nerver was a fucking great band. You want kind of a cool black metal band. They're sort of like that shoegazy, screamo, more kind of black metal stuff. I thought they were really fucking good. I went to the Cavalera show at Irving Plaza with Exhumed and Insight. Yeah, that was um, fun. I was there. That was good. I, I had a really good time just hearing all that old Sepultura stuff. Although I did have to check my backpack, which was fucking annoying, even though they checked it and there was nothing in it. Irving Plaza has kind of dropped in my preference of venues i find them to be kind of annoying yeah it's annoying luckily Irv gramercy theater and irving plaza are really close to my apartment so i can just like i can leave 15 minutes before the show starts and get there with plenty of time 
Like, especially Gramercy Theater is like five minutes away. So I've gone to shows at Gramercy before and between sets, gone back to my apartment to like go to the bathroom and then I'll just come back. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, I went, also went to see Tangerine Dream at the Knockdown Center, which was extremely cool, except yeah. for the older person thirsting for the main guy, which was kind of weird, just like screaming his name. Uh, went to the Goblin Show, Wolves in the Throne Room, and Maggot Heart and Mesa. Yeah, I yeah I I was at Tangerine Dream too. I was uh, extremely stoned though. Yeah, like, I was I, pretty high. It was it was quite cool though. I yeah. thought that like I forgot that was the same night that Blood Incantation and Gorguts was playing with um, Cannibal Corpse and Mayhem, and I wanted to go to that just for the first two bands. But then Tangerine Dream came up, and I'm like, well. I'm going to go to this. Yeah, I, I was the same way. I was like, there's, I've seen, I've seen every band, you know, I've seen Blood Incantation. I've seen all those bands multiple times and I know they're going to be back. I'm just like, whatever. I'm for sure going to Tangerine Dream. But yeah, that, that was, yeah, that was a very good show. Anything you want to like highlight or shout out? Oh boy. I don't really have anything. What, what could I shout out? Uh, I'll shout out the killer condom. <laughs> Your episode of the killer condom. Yeah, on, we'll on say we'll say that, yeah the episode that should I think it'll come out Monday on uh, the I hope you suffer podcast about the killer condom and just the movie the killer condom because it's a good a good comedy about um, homicidal condoms. I'm going to shout out uh, Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott because they are back doing a new music podcast all about Bruce Springsteen in the vein of you talking you two to me. It's oh called- man. It's called You Spring in Springsteen on My Bean, and it's fucking hilarious. Highly I recommend uh, this along with their U2 and Fish podcasts. Yeah, I did not know that they were doing a uh, new music podcast, and the fact that it's about Bruce Springsteen is, uh, yeah, okay. I, I definitely have to check that out. That's awesome. Well, the question is, where do you fall on the Springsteen spectrum? No, I love Bruce Springsteen. I love the boss. Uh, I've never seen him. I've never been able to see him live. He's one of the last remaining bucket list artists I've never seen. But yeah, I love Bruce Springsteen. I celebrate his entire catalog. (laughs) (laughs) The most interesting thing about it is listening to the music and realizing how many bands have just tried to do this and how many bands don't do a good job. of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's so many. You hear it in so much indie rock from the last probably last 20 years. Uh, yeah, no, Bruce Springsteen is great. I, it's the same way. I, there, he definitely has songs where I don't like them at all, but he's been around for so long. He has so much material out there. It's just, it's just, you're going to get stuff that you don't really like. Yeah. I mean, his, his, like his post nine 11 album is, is very cringy. <laughs> it's, oh, it's the, very corny. Uh, the rising, the rising. Yeah. It, I remember being like really into it in college. And I feel like now if I went back to it, I would be like, Ugh. I mean, there's like the rising is a good song. It's that yes. it's got that it starts off slow and it has that big build up and everything. But yeah, there's there's some stuff on there that's very just like ugh. But he put out his most recent album. He put out is pretty good, and he did another prior to that. I think like two years ago, he did an album of like Americana covers that that's pretty interesting and it's not one of my favorite records from him, but it's like, it's fun to listen to his interpretations of that. It's like that he did that. It's along the same lines of that album he did of um, Pete Seeger covers in the mid two thousands. 
it's 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 along that the same lines as that. So if you like that, you'll probably like this. But I do not do not remember what it's called. So we're capping this off by saying <laughs> Bruce Springsteen <laughs> is is the better writer than D. Snyder. Yes. <laughs> uh, Shane, if is uh, where can people find you if they're so uh, inclined to do so on the uh, webs. I, the only the only social media site I'm really active on anymore is Twitter. Uh, you can find me at is at Metal Shane 2000. I've been trying to be a little. I've been trying to be more active on uh, Instagram, uh, where my handle is also Metal Shane 2000. But being more active entails posting something every two weeks instead of every two months. Uh, <laughs> But that's that's really it right now. I uh, I don't I used to I used to do music writing and a podcast. I mean, if you want to listen to an old heavy metal podcast, I I have like 150 episodes of uh, my heavy metal interview and playlist podcast that's still available on basically every like podcast streaming service called Full Metal Hipster. The last episode it went on indefinite hiatus in 2018, but if you want to go back, there's some. I've got a good interview with Barney from Napalm Death and and some other good stuff on there if you want to check that out. But other than that, yeah, I'm pretty much just posting on Twitter until that sinks, <laughs> until that <laughs> until that inevitably dies. Yeah, I mean X. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not I on refuse there. to call we're it. Doing our, we're doing our monthly Twitter check in, and uh, <laughs> it's looking pretty bad. Yeah, I will never call it X. <laughs> it's so stupid. That motherfucker <laughs> is so dumb. Like I. <laughs> It's hard to put into words just how fucking stupid that guy is. Yeah. Fucking Mr. Musk, thinking he's the smartest motherfucker on the planet. And it's just like, we're trying to spread better information via X. So we're taking away headlines and you now have to pay. The way that we saw that was that gives access to your credit card information so you oh. can sell your data. So don't fucking do it. Don't yeah. sign up. Yeah, if they roll that no, if they roll that out to new or to existing users, I'm done. I'm not giving yeah, I'm not giving those idiots my credit card information for it, under any circumstances. So they can sell it to fucking like extremists and neo Nazis. Yeah, or just somebody will hack in because there's no way that that site is secure anymore. <laughs> oh no, absolutely not. Yeah, even if they don't sell the information, some it's gonna get stolen. I am not on Twitter, uh, but you can find uh, me on my website at diaryofdoom.com. I've got all my concert photography pictures and everything else related to the podcast there. You can also follow it on diaryofdoom.podbean.com. Follow it on Instagram, like it on Facebook, and subscribe and listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you or whatever shady streaming uh, <laughs> app you use. Uh, if you want to suggest a movie for me to discuss on the podcast, you can fire up an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. Shane, thank you again for coming on and talking about this dumb movie that is kind of watchable. Absolutely. It was it was a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, we'll be next month. Uh, Christmas episode. So.
Closing transmission. Initiating hypersleep protocol. Enter system code. Permission granted. Cryopomp 6 engaged. Hypersleep functions green. Destination unknown. Time of system reactivation unknown. Communications and engines powering down. All other systems on standby. Execute command to proceed. <laughs> 